Chapter 10 of Hidden Foes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mike Manalakis. Hidden Foes by Nicholas Carter. Chapter 10 The Deeper Mystery. Nick Carter returned to the Wilton house at one o'clock. He found Chick and Patsy waiting for him both of whom quickly told him what they had learned that morning, and then heard his own brief report of the inquest. "'By Jove, you were right,' Chick then said seriously. "'It is now a cinch that Todd was murdered.' "'I felt reasonably sure of it from the first, the detective replied. "'But who killed him?' put in Patsy. "'That's the question. You say you are sure, Chief, that Paulding did not do it?' "'Yes, absolutely.' "'Well, what's your game, then?' Why did you frame up a deal with him, telling him he might not be suspected, and afterward advise having him arrested? Superficially, Patsy, that does appear quite inconsistent, said Nick, smiling. In reality, however, I called on Paulding only to get his measure and convince myself of his innocence. I want him arrested, nevertheless, in order that Todd's assassin, as to whose identity and motive we are entirely in the dark, may think the police are sure they have the right man. That will relieve him of fears that otherwise would put him on his guard. We then can get in our work with much less difficulty. There is something in that, Chief, all right, Patsy quickly allowed. It's up to us to find the right man, however, and now a word about your report, Nick added. From what little the telephone girl heard, it is very evident that Todd was called to the Waldmere Chambers and directed to wait in the corridor either by the man who killed him or by a man in league with, or acting under the instructions of the assassin. In other words, Todd was lured there only to be murdered. Plainly enough, Chick agreed, we can safely bank on that. Oh, we know, too, that Paulding then was in the building to confer with a client, Carter continued. Being convinced of his innocence, I know it was not he who telephoned to Todd. Surely not. The fact that he was there, however, is very significant. Of what, Chief? questioned Patsy. He might have been seen by some person anxious to kill Todd, and who, knowing their unfriendly relations, and that Paulding would presently leave, took advantage of the situation to lure Todd there, taking a chance that he could kill him unobserved by others immediately after Paulding departed, believing that the latter then would be suspected. Well, that's plausible, Chick nodded. And that's why Todd was directed to wait in the corridor, Carter pointed out. The assassin wanted him to be there when Paulding left the building. The fact that he was not seen by Paulding, however, and that he could confidently plan such a crime, as well as commit it, without being seen or heard, shows that he might have had several advantages. He may have been a tenant in the building. It would not be easy or discreet for an outsider to have undertaken it. That's true, by Jove, and quite suggestive. Furthermore, he evidently knew that Todd would obey his instructions or his commands, which indicates that he may have had a hold on him of some kind. Otherwise, Todd might not have left his desk in business hours to keep the appointment. True again, Chief. He referred to himself as Todd's running mate, moreover, if the telephone girl heard correctly, said Nick. Plainly, then, they have been intimately related in some way, either in business or as friends and Todd naturally would not have apprehended anything like assassination. Surely not, Chief, said Patsy. 
We next must learn, therefore, with whom Todd was specially friendly, and whom he has been visiting in the Waldmere chambers. That's the stuff, T, for fair. You said about it this afternoon, Patsy, Carter directed. Now, Chick, concerning Nellie Fielding, you have not seen her? Not yet, said Chick. It was nearly one o'clock when I left the Alhambra, and I decided to report to you and have a bite to eat before seeking the girl. I warned Hewitt and his ticket seller not to communicate with her. See her after lunch, then, and be governed by what she says and how she appears, Carter corrected. It may be wise to shadow her in case she is playing a deeper game than appears on the surface. If alarmed by your inquiries, uh, she may attempt to warn others. Possibly. I'll keep an eye on her, Chief, at all events. There may be a connection between the several cases. Todd's murder and the mystery involving these four girls, Carter added. I shall see Dr. Duvall this afternoon. I want to know just what he thinks about them and the strange condition in which they were found. It was three o'clock when Chick approached Boyden's restaurant in Middle Street. A man of middle age was standing in the doorway, whose interest in the appearance of one of the adjoining windows denoted that he was the proprietor. He walked out and was to leave in a moment when Chick, without having approached near enough to be seen from within, paused and asked, "'Are you Mr. Boyden?' "'I am,' said the latter. "'Were you looking for me?' "'I want to inquire about a girl in your employ. It is in connection with some legal investigations, but in which the girl figures only indirectly.' Chick blandly explained. Her name is Nellie Fielding. What do you wish to learn about her? Boyden questioned. How long has she been working for you? About a year. Is she married? <laughs> no, indeed. She is only nineteen and is the only support of a crippled sister. Well, that speaks well for her, Chick remarked tentatively. No more so than she deserves, Boyden quickly assured him. Nellie is a very good girl, none better, sir, as far as that goes. She has no means beyond what she earns, but she is strictly honest and reliable. Her character and habits are good? Yes, indeed, or she would not be in my employ. I want to talk with her for a few moments. Go ahead. You'll find her at the office counter. She acts as my cashier when I am out. I have an appointment where I would go in and introduce you. No, thank you, but that is not necessary, said Chick. I only want a few words with her. Boyden bowed and departed without replying, and Chick turned toward the restaurant door. The information he had received was all to the girl's credit. It denoted that evil and deception were entirely foreign to her nature. Chick knew that she had lied to Dr. Duvall, nevertheless, and he was determined to learn for what reason. There were only a few scattered patrons in the restaurant at that hour, and he found Nellie Fielding at leisure, standing behind a small counter on which were a cash register and a cigar case. He approached and bought some cigars from her, at once favorably impressed with her neat appearance and modest bearing. "'You are Miss Fielding, I believe,' he remarked while paying her. "'Yes, sir,' she replied, smiling at him over the cash register. "'That is my name.' Uh, "'There is a little matter about which I wish to question you,' said Chick. I referred to what occurred last evening when you, uh, uh... There, don't be alarmed, he quickly digressed. There is nothing for you to fear, Miss Fielding, if you have done nothing wrong, and I feel quite sure that you have not. She had turned very pale, with a frightened expression leaping up in her eyes. She shrank from him, trembling perceptibly, until his hasty assurance somewhat relieved her. No, no, I have done nothing wrong, sir, she protested, 
with quite pathetic fervor. How did you know? How did you learn about it? I did only what I... Oh, sir, I could see nothing else to do. I, I wanted to avoid publicity. Compose yourself, Chick said quietly. I can see quite plainly that you are more sinned against than sinner. You have nothing to fear from me, Miss Fielding, if you tell me the truth, and I think there will be no need for any publicity. Are you a policeman? she asked tremulously. I am a detective, Chick admitted. You must not mention it to others, however, or the fact that I have questioned you. There have been other cases very like your own, Miss Fielding, and I am quietly investigating them. You must tell me the truth, therefore, and I think I can safely assure you that it will be only to your advantage. Will you do so? Yes, yes, she replied, much relieved by Chick's kindly voice and manner. As a matter of fact, sir, I really have nothing to conceal. I am anxious only to avoid publicity. That is why you gave Dr. Duvall a fictitious name? Chick asked, smiling. Yes, yes, Nellie admitted, coloring deeply. But I had one other reason also. What was that? I will tell you just what occurred. You then will understand and perhaps will appreciate my feelings. Well, I think so, Chick bowed. Tell me frankly. I would be glad to befriend you in any way. It was like this, sir. The girl leaned nearer to him over the showcase and spoke with lowered voice. I had been alone to the Alhambra, and the show was an unusually long one. It was after eleven o'clock when it ended. I came out with the crowd and turned up Main Street to go home. I had only walked a short distance, not more than a block, and the sidewalk still was quite crowded, when I felt something touch my hand. I turned quickly and glanced at the nearest person, but none seemed to have any interest in me or to be the one who had left it. Left what? Chick inquired curiously. The leather bag. Miss Fielding gazed at him more intently, as if really glad to have found someone in whom she could confide and depend upon for advice. The leather bag. It had been placed in my hand by some person. That is to say, sir, I now think that it was, though I then was not quite sure of it. Why so? Explain, said Chick attentively. Well, sir, there were many people passing in each direction at the time, and it all occurred so quickly and was so very singular that I was quite confused. But there was the leather bag in my right hand, and I thought at first that I might accidentally have torn it from the belt or the long neck chain of some passing woman. I could see no woman near me, however, and I now feel sure that the bag was quickly and stealthily placed in my hand. Well, that indeed was a strange experience, said Chick. What did you do about it? What followed? I looked for someone from whom I could have accidentally taken it, or who might have given it to me, Nellie continued. As I already have said, however, no one appeared to have any interest in me, and there was no woman near me. Was it a woman's handbag or a purse? It was more like a small purse, one that could be easily held in one hand, Nellie explained. I felt the shape and heard the clink of coins in it, moreover which made me think it was a purse. And then I... Oh, sir, I'm only a poor girl, dependent upon what I earned to support myself and a crippled sister. I thought I had come into possession of some money. I did wrong. I was impelled to keep it. I yielded to temptation. I... All that was perfectly natural, Miss Fielding, under the circumstances. Chick kindly interposed when tears suddenly appeared in her blue eyes. You cannot be consistently blamed. Tell me what you did and what followed. 
when i saw that i was not observed or so it then appeared i concealed the bag under my coat and hurried on for a short distance until i could safely look into it and learn what it contained i did so under a lamp on a corner when well away from the crowd that had left the theatre what did you find in the bag chick inquired it contained a small handkerchief some gold coins and a diamond ring oh how it glittered she exclaimed with quiet enthusiasm i gasped with amazement when i saw it i bent my head nearer to peer into the bag and then oh what a strange feeling came over me explain said chick describe it i don't know that i can miss fielding replied i never felt so before i seemed to be losing myself so to speak and everything suddenly grew dim did you feel ill or no sir not at all the sensation was only momentary as when one suddenly faints then all became dark i don't know what i did or what followed i knew nothing more sir until i revived on a cot in the hospital and saw the physician and the nurse bending over me that is all i know about it sir all i can tell you chick had been watching her intently and he was sure she had told the truth it was a strange story nevertheless a remarkable experience and he began to rack his brain for an explanation i believe all you have said miss fielding he assured her have you any idea what overcame you no sir she said earnestly not the slightest idea it is terribly mysterious did it occur immediately after you opened the bag yes sir almost immediately surely within two or three seconds when you bent nearer to look into the bag yes sir had you removed the handkerchief no sir the gold coins and ring were on top of it had you detected any odor from it that a perfumery or no sir nothing nelly interposed i would have done so perhaps if there had been any for i held it quite near my face that is the very point said chick smiling i now suspect that the handkerchief was impregnated with some odorless but very powerful drug which instantly affected you naturally in your surprise you would have inhaled it freely and i think that is how you were so quickly overcome that may explain it miss fielding admitted but it all was very very strange can you recall anything that immediately followed no sir absolutely nothing but can you tell me just where it occurred oh yes nelly nodded quickly it was on the corner of main and maple streets there is an all-night lunch cart nearly opposite i remember seeing it and that is why i am sure of the precise location very good said chick smiling again now tell me miss fielding why you ask for the leather bag before leaving the hospital you claim to have missed it i did sir she readily admitted i suddenly remembered it and thought i would take it and try to find the owner i did not think of its having been the cause of my trouble but why did you not explain the circumstances to dr duvall and insist upon searching for the bag you afterwards said you were not sure you had it well sir it suddenly occurred to me that i might be suspected of stealing it nelly explained blushing again that thought alarmed me and i was anxious only to leave the hospital and go home as quickly as possible that is why too i gave the physician a false name and address i wanted to wash my hands of the whole affair and avoid any publicity very good i don't much blame you chick laughed with a nod of approval i guess you have told me a straight story miss fielding i have told you the truth sir she said earnestly i hope nothing more will oh there is nothing for you to fear 
Chick hastened to assure her. Say nothing about it to others or about me, and you probably will hear no more of it. If you do learn anything more, however, write for me to call and see you. A line to John Blaisdell, Wilton House, will reach me. Miss Fielding promised to comply and wrote the name on a sheet of paper. Chick said a few more words to reassure her, and he then departed and hastened to the corner of Main and Maple Streets, where the girl had so mysteriously lost consciousness. He saw at a glance that the surroundings, aside from the lunch cart a few rods away, would have been favorable at midnight for the knavish trick that he was now sure had been turned. Crossing over, he found the proprietor of the lunch cart alone, and he called him to the door, a shrewd, keen-eyed Irish chap in the twenties. I'm looking into a job that was pulled off about twelve o'clock night before last, Chick informed him. Did you happen to see a girl standing alone in the opposite corner about that time? Faith, sir, I did, nodded the other quickly. I was here at my door, sir, hoping to hook into some customers from the theater. The girl stopped under the lamp and was looking at something. That's the one, said Chick. Do you know how long she remained there? Not more than a couple of minutes. Then a man joined her and a motor cab showed up. They got into it and rode away. With the cabman? Yes, sir. Can you describe either man? asked Chick. Faith, I don't think so, was the reply. We didn't notice him closely, not thinking of anything wrong. Besides, the cabman didn't leave his seat. The other was about medium size, I'd say, and wore a dark suit. I would not swear to it, but I think he had a dark beard, too. Quite likely, Chick said dryly. Do you know from which direction he came? Up the street, sir. They reckon that he was following the girl, and that she was waiting for him. That's what struck me. Did the cab come from the same direction? It did. I suppose the man had called it. Did the girl go with him willingly? She sure did, sir, for all I could see. The man took her arm and helped her in, and then they rode away. That's all there was to it. Chick saw that this man could tell him nothing more definite, and he left him to believe, as he had said, that there was nothing more to it. All the same, by Jove, the mystery seems only the deeper, he said to himself while walking away. Why was Nellie Fielding, as well as three girls before her, temporarily abducted and left unconscious in the hospital grounds? Neither was subjected to any further harm, any personal outrage, and robbery surely was not the motive. What was it, then? What could be gained? Why were such chances repeatedly taken? There must have been something to gain, but I'll be hanged if I can fathom what. Deeper mystery is right. There must be a big game or a most knavish one somewhere under the surface. End of chapter 10